Good morning, it's Emmett. Beautiful morning. The muddy road is still frozen, so it's easy to walk on. The chickadees are doing their two-note spring call. Woodpeckers are chattering in the trees. It's crisp, but not particularly cold. I can see my shadow stretching out in front of me. <clears throat> we are back from Germany, like I said yesterday. And while I was in Germany, I I'd, didn't do any carving because I, I didn't want to pack tools, didn't want to sort of take the time away from being with family. Um, and they live on a fifth floor apartment. So it wasn't the best scenario for doing any carving. Um, I recognize that probably some of you guys live under similar circumstances, and I salute you for sticking with it. Uh, so while I was had this week of not doing any carving, I actually ramped up the amount of engagement I made with Instagram, checking in on people that I like to check in on, interacting with people, commenting on things, scrolling through hashtags, just generally trying to get a feel for the landscape. And I noticed two things. One is that that was probably as good a way of spending that energy as I could. And two, it left me feeling... Um, less inspired than uh, than I often do on Instagram. I think because of simply the barrage of images leaves you feeling numb. And there were even times when I could feel myself numbing out and I had to force myself to stop and re-engage with everyone else or go do something else if no one was around. Um... And that's an interesting phenomenon. I think, you know, part of the problem of feeling that numbing out is that if you don't have some external reason to stop, you just kind of keep going and get more and more numb to it. And it can also make you a bad partner, friend, whatever, if, if you are um, doing that to the point of not engaging with the people who are right there in your life. When I find the most inspiration, it's from, there are certain people whose work I find inspiration from, but then a lot of it is actually crossover inspiration. Like, for instance, seeing the graffiti in Munich and certain elements of the graffiti and certain shapes and curves. I was like, wow, that's really cool. And it's not that it gave me an immediate idea, but it's that it gave me a sense of, okay, I like this about this and I don't like this. And so I find my inspiration often comes from those crossover things where it comes from a different media. Uh, a lot of times potters do things that I love that I want to try and emulate, not the exact form, but the, the feel of it, the aesthetic of it. Um, and then the trick is, you know, they have very different techniques to achieve that shape than I would have to use. So what does that mean for me? Um, and with someone who I'm very excited about having in the next issue of Smoothsaurus Magazine, our main interview is with Amy Leakey, Woodmungler, 
who I just, she just submitted her interview uh, answers to me. And uh, it was fascinating. The, the original inspiration for the sort of bumpy handle she does on her bowls and then later on on her spoons came from a broken ceramic, uh, bro- broken piece of ceramics from, a, from the banks of the Thames, dating from who knows when that doesn't even quite look like it. But it's clear that this is where she drew her inspiration from. And the interesting thing is that that potter who threw that probably drew their inspiration. It almost looks like um, like a detail you'd see on some Gothic stone church. And then the stonemason who made that detail on a Gothic stone church probably drew their inspiration from it being done in wood on some other building somewhere else in Europe. And so the cycle goes around and around and around from one medium to another, from one context to another. And so what that means for me is that the the more I can pay attention to what is sparking my interest and make sure that I'm being a little bit disciplined about focusing on that instead of on just what my sort of obvious peers are doing, the more energy flows into my work. Because if all you do is pay attention to the people in your own sphere and what they're doing, then your work has no choice but to be derivative. And while it's not a problem to be derivative, there's not much new and breakthroughs to be made when that's your approach. And a lot of times the best work comes from people who are doing cross-disciplinary work. In fact, I just heard a study where uh, they found that um, people who win Nobel laureates most often win it for work that they did in their 20s and 30s, except for people who went on to develop expertise in a second discipline later on in life. And then the Nobel laureate most often came from work that happened later in life that was the result of the cross-pollination of those two disciplines. And that I find tremendously interesting because what it tells me is that the interesting stuff happens at the fringe between two things, whatever it is, two art forms, two mediums, two scenes, two uh, cultures, and that's where I certainly want to be, is pushing at the edges of those things. And I'm very happy to be home. I'm going to be carving today and every day this week and thinking a lot about sort of what my time not carving, just poking around through social media has told me about about what works for me and what doesn't, and what numbs me out and what doesn't, and what gets my juices flowing and what doesn't. Um, And so I hope you can do some thoughtful thinking about that as well and find your fringe, your interdisciplinary approach. And we each have our own unique one, right? We each have the thing that we bring to the table that that when combined with the obvious thing becomes our secret superpower. So go find yours. Thanks for listening. Talk tomorrow.